Okay, hi all. For those of you listening out there to any time or wherever else, um, this year, which is generally Parsha Shur, even though last week and this week we are doing tefillah, um, can, it always comes, our class always comes, almost always comes with a source material with all the Makoros. And if you would like the Makoros, you can email me at ESTS, the first three letters of my name, estween at gmail. We always start off with dedications. So we have Bacheva Katz, Rafua Shlema for Aliza Orabatsara. Rifki Youngrois is sponsoring uh, as with gratitude to Kadosh Baruch Hu and Rafua Shlema for Bakaro for Godel Yehuda Ben Raisel, all Holy Israel. Donna Mensch, Lila Nishmas, her mother, Malkabas Ephraim, Michelle Eisenberg with someone with fertility issues and all those who need and want who want children. Talia Diamond, in honor of her daughter Aviva's upcoming bas mitzvah this Shabbos, and Tinok Ben Rachel, Hannah Bas Bruria, Rafua Shalema. So hi, everybody. We are doing part two of our tefillah series. We did a tefillah class last week, and a lot of people listened to it, and a lot of questions came in. And so we are developing uh, more ideas about tefillah, particularly what we're doing this week is we are going to dive deep into what, what every word in a bracha means and what the concept of giving praises mean. And then when we have these two big ideas, we'll be able to answer some of the questions. A bunch of questions came in about ace ratzon, yehi ratzon, what do these things mean? May it be your will. It's a special time of will. We had brachas about... Um, different types of tefillahs, conversational tefillah, request tefillah. We had questions about, um, we had questions about berchas koanim and, and what brachas mean, um, about different levels of, of, of prayer, about just spontaneously thanking Hashem or davening to Hashem as we go through our day. We have all sorts of little questions that we're going to immerse Hashem deal with. So uh, first, what we're going to start with is the the makeup of tefillah. So last week we talked about tefillah to assess whether we, our priorities are in sync with or are in order and in line with God's priorities for us. And we said a very important idea that was discussed a lot in, we have a Q&A by the way, if anybody would like to join our Q&A, it's very active, there's a lot of people on it, but you can join our Q&A. We discussed the topics that have come up in the class. Just WhatsApp me at 516-526-2096. Yes, you have to have WhatsApp to join the Q&A. Okay, so um, what came up was um, the, we, what, we came, what came up was that uh, people were asking, you know, if they daven in the Shema Koleinu, where you add your own tefillahs, you know, if they add, if they feel that they have an urgent need or request, let's say, for zivug or for children, which is not specifically mentioned in the 18 brachas, which are today 19, um, you know, they, you know, the question came up of like, what if that assumes an urgency and an importance that might um, sort of grow larger or seem larger than any of the priorities that the chazal set up for us in those brachas? What does that mean? So first of all, what that means is that the person 
who doesn't hasn't learned or doesn't see that these types of requests are already built into the Shmona Esrei. Where we have a bracha in in the beginning section, okay, which starts with three spiritual needs and three physical needs. So in the the second the section of the physical needs, we have Reeva Anyenu Riva Rivenu. See our struggles. See what we're dealing with. What's causing us anguish? Inoy. We're going to get to that word. Pesach is coming up. Re'eva anyenu. See what's causing us anguish and help us negotiate that struggle. So any type of struggle that a person's going through, it's in re'eva anyenu. Okay, and it doesn't have to be like, oh, those brachas don't apply to me. Let me add my my personal bracha that I actually care about in Shema Kolenu. So it's already in there. And in addition, we um, the the focus also you know, needs to shift that, um, and we need to see, and this is where we're going to get into brachos in a moment and, and praises, that uh, everything in Shemona Esri is helping us change and align our mindset, meaning allowing us to kind of rediscover and be empowered by the awareness that we can't control anything but what we do with who we are at the moment. Okay, we can't control, you know, whether whether they're, you know, we can't control even if a person has a zivr, a person can control if their partner will be alive in five minutes, or they, they won't be alone, chas v'shalom, or, um, or children, like we only can control ourselves at the moment, and all the brachas and shwana esrei help us prioritize what we can do with ourselves in the here and now and recognize the role we play in the here and now with what we have right now, okay? So that also is really brought home by understanding brachas. Now, most of tefillah is made out of brachas, so it really behooves us to get deep and careful about what a bracha or a blessing is, all right? The morning the, the morning brachas start with the brachas on, on the midst of learning Torah. Then we go into the 15 morning brachas, which are really brachas of a different sort. They're brachas on a benefit, on benefits and pleasures that we get. Then you go into this whole, we're jumping a little bit, into Pesuke de Zimmer. Pesuke de Zimmer, we don't think about as brachas, but actually it's framed by two brachas. There's a bracha in Baruch Shamar, there's a bracha in Ishtabach, and in between is what we call the Pesuke de Zimmer, the, all of the verses of praise. And so they are framed by brachas. In fact, in the architecture in the base of Megdash, they represent the big opening into the antechamber and the big opening leading out of the antechamber into the section where the vessels are, into the hechel. So they are even framed by brachas. And then, of course, the next two are called brachas before Kriyashma. And then Shemana Esri is all brachas. So it really behooves us to understand a bracha deeply. We've talked about brachas in passing, but we haven't dedicated a specific class to analyzing, getting deep into the every word in the formula of a bracha. So are we ready? Okay. So, um, so before we start learning about brachas, there are a lot of questions that come up simply because we have a misunderstanding of what a bracha is. It's either translated as a what, blessing or a thank you. Thank you, Hashem. It doesn't, there's no thank you. There's no toda or hoda in a bracha. It doesn't mean it at all. There's no thanks in a bracha. 
What about a blessing? Blessed be you, Hashem. You should have nachas from your kinder and you should have a parnasa. You should have good health. I mean, what does a, what, what does a blessing even mean? Well, what is, we're, we're going to learn about it. It's not videoing? Oh, uh, okay. I'll have to be Zoom only. Okay. I'll have to look at this camera a little more. Okay. So here. Would you always tell us about this? Well, we're, good, we're going to go into it step by step, word by word. So here are some of the questions that come up because people misunderstand what a bracha is. So first of all, are we blessing Hashem? Are we wishing Hashem good fortune? Are we thanking Hashem? Are we praising Hashem? Does Hashem need or gain anything from human praise? Or for that matter, human thanks? Why are praises to Hashem prescripted and written in poetic and unrelatable language? Why shouldn't praise be a candid gesture freely offered by the one moved to praise? Why should we say the same praises every single day? Doesn't it become stale and artificial with time? Why do we keep praising Hashem for past salvations when we need immediate salvations right now? These are all questions on praise. When we think about blessings, we think it's either praising Hashem, right, or thanking Hashem. So we have to sort out what a bracha is, and then we're going to move into praises or kavod. Okay. So let's go into this really, you know, really, um, I'd say, with, with um, carefully. With focus, we're going to learn the Nefesh Achaim. The Nefesh Achaim is Rav Chaim Velazhin, Talmud of the Vilna Gon. Vilna Gon was a Makubal. And what we're going to see is that the formula for a bracha requires us to really understand Lashon HaKodesh. If we understood Lashon HaKodesh, we wouldn't be so overwhelmed when we realize what a bracha is actually saying. Say, oh, how am I going to remember all that? Lashon HaKodesh is very succinct. What's built into each word, there is so many layers of chachma and wisdom and truth. It takes shifting our mind into Lashon HaKodesh mode to really process and internalize what a bracha means and to be able to draw on that information every time we make a bracha. So the first thing the Nefesh Chaim says is like this. In the matter of the word Baruch, look in the Hebrew, it is not ex expressing it is not an expression of attributing glory and giving praise as is commonly accepted among the masses. So let's just get that out of the way, okay? You should read the rest of this yourself. I'm not gonna focus on everything. Keep, go to the next section that's bold. However, the truth is that Baruch, its meaning is an expression of increase and expansion, okay? Baruch means increasing and an expansion. We're going to see that in a minute in the actual construction of the very word Baruch. But could we possibly be saying Baruch Atah Hashem, that Hashem should increase and be greater and expand more? Obviously, we cannot be saying that. That makes no sense at all. So if you keep reading in the Nefesh Achayim, a couple paragraphs later, he says, however, the context of blessing him, blessed be his name, the intention is not aimed towards the essence, meaning a Kodesh Baruch Hu, okay, of the one master. It's not that a Kodesh Baruch Hu's essential self should increase. Never, never, never. Okay, keep going down. Um, rather, the intention, you see where it's bold? Rather, the intention is relative to how we perceive him from the perspective of the forces that are affected by him 
via his purposeful relationship with the world. What the Nefesh Haim says is, when we say Baruch Atah, we are not saying you should increase, or Hashem's essence, or Hashem's chesed should increase. The It is entirely speaking about something that is within our perspective, something about our perspective of how HaKadosh Baruch Hu, okay, affects the world should increase. It's a change in us. It's about how Hashem's relationship with the world, how that understanding should change. Let's look into it carefully, okay? You all know this, but for the record, the very word baruch, right? So bays is gematria and resh is 200 and, and chaf is. So when we're talking about expansion, the expand the doubling or the expansion of the single units from one is to two, from the tens is 10 to 20, and from two, 100 is to 200. So we're talking about increase and expansion. In fact, a brecha, not a pool in modern Hebrew, but in biblical Hebrew, a brecha is a wellspring, something that keeps welling up and expanding. So we have number one, the concept of increase and expansion more, something more, excess, overflow. The what? The Gematria? It's in the notes. Yeah. And C. Now, Atta, let's understand. We're saying the Nefesh Haim says that this formula, Baruch Atta, is not in relationship to Hashem. It's in relationship to the one making the Bracha. It's totally about the one who is desiring that their awareness, their appreciation should increase. So let's take the word atah. We refer to Hashem in the literally, in the, you know, we say to you directly. We don't say he in the third person. We say in the second person. Now, when I say to my best friend, hey, how are you doing today? How many layers of meaning of understanding are in that word you? Years and years and years of layers of understanding. But if I'm a guard and I say, hey, you get off the railing, okay? How much is, how much content is in that you? Nothing. You're a human being and you're on my railing. That's it. So what we're saying is that my awareness, what I mean when I say you to Kaddish Baruch Hu, that should increase and that should expand and that should get more developed and deeper. So we are not, this is the paradigm shift. We're not talking to God about you should increase. You should give more bracha. It's not what we're saying. We're saying baruch ata, the ata should be increased. If we spoke Lashon HaKodesh, this wouldn't even be shocking. We would understand that that's the way you say that the ata should increase. Baruch ata. What I mean when I say you should grow. This is called the um, the um, the what do I this is called um, entering into a state of mindfulness. Through there are two types of brachas. Okay, there are brachas on pleasures and benefits, like you see, you smell a beautiful spice, or you hear thunder and lightning, or you see a king. Or you see um, some unusual animal that's extremely rare, or you have you get a, you like my parents just want a Tesla, so you make a bracha on good fortune. Okay, so yeah, there's a type of bracha called birchas nehen, and you get hanaa 
something beneficial, a pleasure, food you're eating. Okay, there's another type of bracha called berchas ha-mitzvah. In the morning, the berchas on the brachas on the Torah are primarily a bracha. Some of them are brachas are nehenin, of pleasure, appreciation that we have Torah. Some are mitzvahs. Lasuk bedivrei Torah. There's a bracha on a mitzvah. We'll soon say alachilas matzah. We said al mikra megillah. Right? There's brachas on mitzvahs that we do. So what we're really about to say is my baruch ata, my appreciation and understanding of you should increase by virtue of this pleasure or benefit that I'm engaging in or benefiting from, or by virtue of this mitzvah that I'm doing. We're saying everything I do or experience or, or, or engage in should increase me as a human being, my spiritual uh, this my spiritual capacity. It's there's my this is the way we enter into any act or we go through life. We're supposed to make a hundred brachas a day. That's I don't know if we can manage that all the time, but especially if we don't do the whole entire davening. But basically, we make a lot of brachas during the day. And the idea is to be mindful that each and every experience and opportunity is a chance to grow our understanding. It is all about our own. Development, yeah. Well, on me, it's. I always thought it's like saying, like, Hashem should be blessed, and like, whatever you say, yes. Like, when a king comes, you're also supposed to cheer in the crowd because we're going to talk. Wait, hold out about praises and all that. Because if Hashem, we're going to get there. But if a king, if Hashem was a king who needed us to cheer, uh, we'd be in bad shape. Okay. No, people. We're, we're going to talk about, let's get, we're going to get to praises soon. Let's now, a bracha that starts with Baruch Hashem has another four words as part of the formula before it either goes into Nehenin, some sort of benefit, or it goes into Mitzvah. But all brachas have Baruch Hashem, right? Baruch, I'm sorry, Baruch Atah, and then there's four words, Hashem, Elokeinu, Melech Olam. Let's go through them carefully. That is the beginning of almost every, almost every single bracha. So, what exactly do we want to increase? Our awareness of what? Our appreciation of what should increase? So of a, of a composite reality, composite understanding called Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam. Four words. Okay, we're also hopefully going to do Shema and Baruch Shem if we get to it. But let's just do this. Sentence. Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam. So the first one is Hashem Yud Kei Vav Kei. Obviously, we don't pronounce this name. Everybody knows that this name has within it four sort of um, four sort of expressions. What are they of time? What are the what's in this name? Yud K Vav K, Haya Hove and Yia, past, present, and future. But we know that in the womb, so to speak, in the physical realm, in our dimension, which is only part of a bigger reality, there is past, present, and future. But in a Kodesh Baruch Hu's bigger realm, it doesn't exist. In God's realm, there's only present tense. That's why our Kodesh Baruch is called Havaya. Havaya is not Hashem's name. It's not, I'm not pronouncing it. Okay. Havaya is Hove, meaning the words I'm saying to you now, they're already in the past. The words I'm about to say to you, they're in the future, and now they're in the past. We don't have a present tense. We only have what is about to happen to what just happened. The present tense is like sand falling through our fingers. There is no such thing as the present tense for us. Your therapist might say you have to live in the present, but there is actually no such thing. 
okay? We either have expectations or hopes or dreams for the future or memories of the past. However, yes. You said there are four expressions in the name. No, no, no. In the brachas is Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam. In the name is three, three. Hayah, Hovavia, past, present, future. When we refer to Hashem as Havaya, which is really Yud Ke Vav Ke turned around, we mean that everything is present tense before Hashem, meaning there is no time. It only operates here in our dimension. A Kaddish Baruch Hu knows everything. It's hard to understand. Ramam talks about it, that our mind is not set up. It is not, we are not given the capacity to fully understand it, but there are some ways we can begin to think about it. There was a movie called Flatline, okay? It was about a, a, a planet that only had two dimensions, length and width, but no depth, like a piece of paper. Okay, so imagine you were on this paper. You were one of the letters printed on this paper, okay? Now, this, this three-dimensional object, okay, starts coming into your world, okay? Watch this. So what are you going to see as it passes through your world? What are you going to see as this comes into and through your hearing? You're going to see, at each second, what are you going to see? Yes, More, uh, yes, but what do you see right now? You're not seeing above and below because you have no depth. Oh, really? You're seeing, you ever seen a CAT scan? Slices. You're going to see a two-dimensional slice. Mm -hmm. Okay? This will be sliced up as it passes in time into a thousand little slices. Each and all we see is a thousand two-dimensional flat slices. So you just see this, let's say. And you just see each slice, but you have no ability to see the whole thing because there's no depth. So, um, so that is how we also experience things. We see moments in time of something. We do not see the entire picture. Mm -hmm. We don't have a fourth dimension. We see the thing, what we see in the present. Then we remember what we saw yesterday, and remember that maybe there's another slice coming tomorrow. But we can never see the whole thing in one in one vision. Okay, whereas the Baruch sees the whole picture. We just we don't have the ability. So what we're saying is like this: You Hakadosh Baruch Hu are Yud Kevavke. You are the everything that we are part of. You are beyond our realm and know much more and see the whole picture. You can see in the Purim story how all the pieces fit together. It took nine years, and then you step out and go whoa, and you begin to see all the pieces falling into place. But Hashem sees all the pieces falling into place. We're not going to get now into the question of if Hashem knows everything, how do we have free choice? Rambam says we have free choice. End of conversation. If there's no free choice, there's no reward and punishment. The Bechira is a joke. In fact, our whole lives are a joke. We're just a bunch of puppets who cheer for God's so what's the point. And that, and if that was God's plan, it didn't work out very well because that's basically not what 98% of humanity does anyway. So then the whole thing is a fail. So bottom line is, we have free choice and we have Bechira and there is what we call Scharva Onesh, despite the fact that Hashem is Hayahove Veyiyah, okay? So first we appreciate that. And then we say Elokeinu. Now Elokeinu or Elokim is always associated with which, which Mida of a Kaddish Baruch Hu? Din. By the way, I made a mistake. I, I misspoke last week. I said Chesed is not a Mida. I was trying to say something that did not come out correct. Chesed is definitely a Mida that Hashem uses of overflow and expansion. But I was trying to, uh, whatever. But the bottom line is it is considered a Mida. Okay. And uh, and it is a, a fact of how Kaddish Baruch operates. So is Din. Din, we know, is a 
is uh, is that a Kodesh Baruch Hu holds back and lets us have our separate space. So what we're saying by Hashem Elokeinu is the, the world we live in, Elokim is big gematria, in gematria, the same as what? Ha-teva, the na nature, the natural world that Hashem created. So we live in a physical realm, which, which runs by a certain amount of rules, which we must be in sync with, because if we are not in sync with the facts and the unalterable rules, we will suffer. Somebody wants to pretend that they can smoke and they smoke, they're gonna, you can't, you know, you can't get away with it without consequences. Okay, so we're saying that you are the everything that is the bigger picture of the world we live in and the rules we live by and the facts of our life. You are melech ha'olam, the word melech. Let's go into the Marnabuchim. Remember what we learned about melech, that when we're children, we learn a king on a throne because a king is trusted to know what's best for the people, to guide them, and to set up good uh, health, important, you know, very uh, beneficial rules for them, and to take care of their security and their safety, and so do whatever you can do to ensure that they thrive. That is a the con that is the job of a king. Okay, when we say Hashem is a melech, it means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu also knows what's best for us, gives us good rules, makes sure that we can thrive. The problem is, as we're going to see in, a, in this in brachas itself, that Hashem cannot force himself upon us as a king. And by the way, a king that is that forces his rule upon people is called a moshel or a dictator. This is not what we talk about. We talk about melech. Melech means that we have the, the freedom to decide and to choose and to want, and we're going to pray, that's going to lead us into the discussion of kavod, whether we want a Kaddish Baruch Hu's influence upon our lives in order that we allow ourselves, we want the influence so that we can allow ourselves to be guided by Hashem's rules and truths for us. We have 100% autonomy as whether we will accept Hashem as melech. By the way, Ramam says in the Mornavuchim, the king, the melech, that cleaves to us and embraces us is the intellect that influences us. And that is in our hands to welcome and invite into our lives. Okay? That is, the, that is what forms the link between us and God. The melech, according to Rambam, is the shefa flow, the influence of divine ideas that we invite into our lives. That is called the melech. When we invite that in, it's called we make Hashem a king. Okay. Now, Ha'olam. The word Ha'olam has three meanings. Olam means the world. Okay. Le'olam means forever, beyond the physical realm, beyond this dimension. And Ne'elam means hidden. Okay. Let's think about it. There is this world. We know that, that we're in. That's Elohim, relate, we relate to that, the unalterable rules. But we said Hashem is Yud Kevavke. There's other worlds. There's worlds that are me metaphysical. There are worlds of powers and forces called Malachim. By the way, Chazal, Anshe Knesset who composed the prayer, they, they, they believed that they were talking to incredibly educated, sophisticated, very wise, very learned people because they literally inserted in the brachas before Shema, descriptions from the Nevi'im about the whole divine, what's called the divine chariot and all the angels and what they're doing in heaven. 
and what they're saying, which is all Kabbalistic. And they put it in the middle of tefillah, in the middle of prayer, meaning that they, they expect us to have layers of wisdom and to understanding. In the meantime, the fact that there are many other dimensions and realms and that this is this finite physical realm is just our experience, but it, there's an eternal realm that's also built into the word olam. And then nelam, how much is hidden? The, the other worlds, the other realms of the spheros and the mazalos and the malachim, they're hidden. So is the eternal world of olam haba and all of that. But you know what is also hidden? Our own world. How many people here think this is solid? Seriously. Everybody knows if you took any physics, this is not solid because this is made out of atoms. And atoms have subatomic particles, electrons, protons, nucleus. And if you look at the proportion of how far an electron spinning around the nucleus is from that nucleus, it's about as big as a baseball field. Okay, and they're so far apart. And those subatomic particles are spinning. So this is in motion and it's 99% empty space, okay? And we call that matter, more than that. In science and physics, the big, huge question is how does energy become matter? Where does it switch from energy to matter? Now, when we talk about energy, let's talk about just how hidden things are. We know now that we are all, okay, really vibrations on an energy field. We are energy in motion. When you can measure the vibration, you give it a quanta, okay? This is where you get quantum, right? Things you can, you can, we're, you know, it's called, it has a certain quantity, okay? We are really a measurement of energy in motion, okay? Question is, how does energy in motion become matter? You know, Einstein, which I can't say I'm understanding, this is from, you know, you know E equals MC squared for dummies, but that's, um, but energy is, is mass at a certain speed, but how, how does energy turn into, turn into matter? So they were looking for this missing link. How does some, how does energy take on mass? So remember many years ago, they found the God particle, the Higgs boson. This was part of the answer to that question, how something gets mass. I want to say something, Kabbalah deals with the same thing on a spiritual level. How does the Ratzon Hashem, which we're going to get to Yehi Ratzon, Hashem, which is totally spiritual, totally non-physical, how does it manifest? Because we're all part of a Kaddish Baruch self-expression. How does it become physical? And how could something physical exist within the entirety of something that's not physical? So there's a nugget of physicality in something that's 100% not physical. How does that work? This is what the Kabbalah also deals with. How do you get this shalshelis, this chain that goes from Hashem's Ratzon into physicality? And they have a very, very, very elaborate system of spheres. Okay. So um, so we're, what we're saying is, when, you don't have to remember all of this when you dive in, but the word olam, it's just way bigger and so much is hidden. So now here's the formula. Baruch atah Hashem elokeinu melech olam. What is the formula? Like this. My understanding that you are the everything that governs and influences our physical world should increase through this pleasure or this mitzvah that I am now engaging in. Okay. If you put this card in your, in your, in your sitter and review it, like write it on a card, it will become much more easy to remember it. It's not that there's such a long explanation for such a short bracha. It's that we're not adept at Lashon HaKodesh. 
because they, they can't go through a lecture. So the sitter tries to do, because it requires knowing the Nefesh Chaim and it requires knowing like so many things that they don't have time to go into. Right, but here, let's do it again. My understanding, Baruch that you are the everything, Yudke Vavke, that governs and influences our world, Elokeinu Mela, or our worlds, I should say, our worlds, should increase through, by virtue of this pleasure or this brachadam. So it's mindfulness. There's nothing that I'm engaging in or experiencing that I cannot use to increase my awe and wonder and sense of privilege to be part of this, okay? Now, when we start getting into a mitzvah, we have an additional formula. Asher, kiddushanu, b'mitzvah, Four more words. Let's analyze them. Are we ready? Okay. Asher, kiddushanu. That Hashem has made us kadosh. Kadosh means mufrash, set aside. Okay, set aside, designated for a certain purpose. It is at Har Sinai that we, Hashem offered whoever was standing there, and this offer is open to every human being from that time onwards. The offer does not have a uh, statute of limitations. Okay, are you willing to play the role? Are you willing to be set aside, to be designated, to live a different sort of life, governed by all of the mitzvot, okay? Are you willing to play that role and be different, be set aside? Because the role, the, the, the life you're going to live is going to be totally, totally infused with constant engagement in or, or partnership, as we're going to see, with God in drawing down that, that great truth into this world and living according to it, or creating, as we say, some transparency so, that, so we can get a little bit more of a sense of what we're part of. So, Asher Kedishanu, that Hashem has, has made us kadosh, okay? Set us aside. Now, I want to be, make it very clear. Hashem didn't just pick the Jewish people out of a hat and say, okay, you're set aside. That's not what happened. Hashem gave us an offer. Whoever was standing at, whoever stood at Sinai, which wasn't only the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it was also the Egyptians who came. And as we said, this, this offer is open for everyone. And we, the only, and we only demand that everyone don't do exactly what we did, which is accept to live by Torah, give up all other idea, you know, other, other priorities, value, all the other, you know, uh, beliefs in God or that. And what the Jewish people did is had a bris milah. Every convert today gets a bris milah. They accept the mitzvahs and that's it. They're in. There is no crime or identity or anything anyone could do that disqualifies a person from joining Am Yisrael. Even Amonimov, who are not allowed to come in the congregation of God, that I know that's what the words say, but again, we don't know Lashon Kodesh. It doesn't mean they can't be Jewish. It means for X amount of generations, some nations can't marry Jews because of the, 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 the character flaw that that nation showed thousands of years ago. So there was a sort of like a limit, a certain amount of generations. They couldn't marry into the religion, into the Jewish religion, even though they became Jewish until they, they, um, married others who converted, and eventually they would marry Jews. But except for Amalek, Haman's descendants, who even managed to circumvent this and get into the Jewish nation, okay? Because <laughs> B'nai Banav Shal Haman were learning Torah, grandchildren of Haman were learning Torah and B'nai Brak. All right, we know that. But the point here is that there, a person can be set aside to live a different type of life. That's a Sher Kedeshanu. Now, 
B'mitzvosav. A mitzvah is not a, what's, what is, how is it normally translated? A good deed. It's not a good deed and it's not a commandment. How do you say good deed in Hebrew? Masim tovim. How do you say commandment in Hebrew? Tzivoy. A mitzvah is not a commandment. Rav Moshe always taught, there are a mitzvah is a composite word. There is a mitzvah, there is someone who issues the command. There is a mitzvah or mitzvah, the person who receives the command. And then the act that is that, that we do is called a mitzvah. It's not a tzivoy, it's not a command, it's not a one-way street. A mitzvah is an act that expresses a partnership between Hashem and the person doing the mitzvah. A mitzvah is something that brings the two together, the mitzvah and the mitzvah, and the middle is a mitzvah. It is an act of partnership, collaboration. Okay, so asher kedeshanu b'mitzvah now vetzivanu, and commanded us. So now let's make a bracha, okay? My understanding, okay, that you are the everything that governs and influences our physical world should increase through the fact that I that we have been set aside, Asher Kedushanu, by our by our choice. Okay. With your mitzvahs, with acts of partnership. Okay, that you have given us, that you have commanded us, meaning once we decided to play this role, Hashem gave us mitzvahs. Hashem gave us acts of partnership. So these are what you should do that bring us together and that you become my partner in drawing down this great or, or creating this transparency or drawing down this, the uh, great shefa or this influence into the world, okay? So now we're saying, I become more aware, more appreciative, more, more over in, more in awe, more, more, um, we're going to see more love is generated by the fact that I have this opportunity to act in partnership with God and this mindfulness that I am now taking a moment to sort of focus on, okay, that is I'm now taking a moment to sort of absorb, puts me in a state of mind where what I'm doing matters. Even the pleasure I'm experiencing matters. But right now we're talking about a mitzvah, okay? So this formula for a mitzvah, okay, is meant again to put us in a state of mind of intention, intentionality. What we're about to do, I remember that I am, that I am, that everything I, that almost everything I do with my day makes, it makes a difference. I have an opportunity to use it to channel something greater than myself, obviously something that everybody needs. And I feel more. I feel increased. I feel bigger when I've been able to be mindful and, and put that intention into the mitzvah that I'm doing. And of course, if it's a pleasure, the mindfuls, we don't say, we don't add that. We just add the expression of that benefit or that pleasure. Okay. Now, questions before we go on to praise. Because what you can't really praise unless you're in this mindset. Because again, God did not create people to be puppets to stay. Okay, he's not King Myung Wong, whatever his name is in North Korea, okay, who makes parades everyone can cheer for him, obviously. 
So when we talk about praise, we really have to shift on our understanding. And especially because we have a bracha, we say it all the time, we say the chuppah, you say, hakol bara lechvodo, hakol, everything was created for Hashem's kavod, for Hashem's honor. What in the world does that mean? Hashem created everything to give him honor, but if that was Hashem's intention, guess what? As we said before, huge fail. <laughs> so is it that, that Akash Baruch couldn't, couldn't make it happen for himself or obviously covet us to mean something else. So let's understand covet, okay? Because covet is an outgrowth of a, my, a bracha mentality, a mentality of in constant mindfulness and increased awareness, okay? The outcome is gonna be covet. Now, covet is normally translated as honor. We all know this. If I beg you to give me honor, is it honor? If I pay you to give me honor, is it honor? If I threaten you to give me honor, is it honor? Okay. Which is why if somebody has does the great mitzvah of being honored at a dinner, and then everyone says mazel tov, I say, you. So, <laughs> so the point is, everybody knows it's not actually a big honor, okay? Although many people are worthy of the honor, but let's all, we all know it. Who are we fooling? Okay, so many people refuse to be honored, which also is difficult because yeshiva needs it and everybody knows it's a game. It's a fundraising game. Let's be real. Who are the people that get actual honor? Well, they're not people that, are officially being honored. So what is honor? Honor is a free will gesture that must arise in the heart of someone else who becomes more and more aware of their privilege to be associated with someone else. They feel honored to be associated with someone. They feel privileged to be in their presence and therefore honor brings out two drives, two forces. Number one, the force called love. I want to be near you. I want to be close to you. I feel privileged to be for you to give me something to do. Like, can I drive you to the airport? Like that would be an honor. What can I do for you? So the first feeling that honor generates is ahava. Is all of Moshe Shapiro, by the way. Ahava, love, closeness. Remember the gematria of ahava, love, and one echad is the same numerical value. Okay. Now, it also generates yira or. I don't want to say anything or behave in a way that may, will make me unwanted or unworthy to be in your presence. I don't want to offend you. I don't want to do something to make you uncomfortable so that you don't want me to come around. I want to make sure that I hold myself back from whatever so that I deserve and that I'm welcome in your presence. So honor always also makes a person be very cautious, restrain themselves. So they want to give and they want to restrain themselves. Does this make sense? Okay. So honor is a, a self-generated feeling that grows in a person that makes them want to be close and also makes them careful. Kavod is generated with naturally within someone else. Hashem cannot and does not. This is the strangest thing. Hashem set up a world with a force called Kavod, Hakol Bara Lechvodo. And yet, Kavod, which God created, is a phenomenon that he can't force or give himself. Can 
philosophers have a question. Can you create, can God create a rock that he can't pick up? You know that one? Okay. There, and everybody who like reads it the first time when your kid is 14, I have a question for you. Can God create a rock that he can't pick up? <laughs> okay. That, because it sounds so interesting, but you want to know something? Hashem created covered, which is something he cannot give himself. Okay, we're going to get there. We're gonna, one second. So the reason Hashem set up a world like this, okay, or, or what we learn from this is Hashem really, 100%, it's not, it's not um, debatable, created a world where Hashem wants us to become aware and, and, and amazed and feel privileged and awed by the fact that we get to partner with God. And he wants that to come from us, period. And that's where the gratitude comes from. And that's where the gratitude. So here's how a bracha and kavod, okay, go together. By making a bracha properly, meaning my appreciation, awareness of you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, should increase by virtue of, and the fact that you are the everything that governs and influences and explains everything going on in my finite world of Teva, okay? That awareness should increase by virtue of the fact that I'm doing a mitzvah, an act of partnership. And I begin to see that I am I'm actually working for God, with God, and what we create in this world allows people to live and operate in a, from a place of truth and a place that they can they can launch from, they can thrive from. And I become in awe and I become grateful. Let me give you a mushroom. Let me give you an example. We brought this up a while back, but it's so relevant. There it was an article written, a, I don't know, a year ago, maybe more. 50% of American singles, are, of Americans between the age of 20 and 40 are single. Why? Because there's no more religion, okay? The only rule, the only great commandment on, you know, in the secular world today, in relationships, there's one rule called consent. You must get consent. Now, getting consent is a whole negotiation. First, you meet someone, you have to have a whole discussion. Who are you? Are you binary? Are you not binary? How do you identify? What's your gender? What offends you? Do you what's a Republican and Democrat? Do you believe in this? Or this? You're a vegan? Are you Peter? Like, there's a thousand things to, like, figure out about who I'm talking to. What can I say to them if to, that, that won't offend them? Like, so there's all these negotiations just to know how to talk to somebody, okay? What do you believe in? What's your truth? And there's a billion truths, okay? So you got to get that. Then once you get someone's truth... How do you start a relationship? Um, do we have a date? Do, is it, do, do you call me? Do I call you? Do I expect you, you know, are we, do you, I expect anything from you after date? Do you expect me to, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to go be graphic in a shul, but what do you expect from me? What do I expect from you? Who pays for it? Who picks you up? Who does this? Like, it's a negotiation. And then after a first date, it's a whole negotiation. What happens next? What's your, right? What, what are your, what is your frame of reference? What do you, it is so complicated to just, Take each step that 50% of single or of Americans are single. They're not in any relationship. Compare that to how we operate, okay? Marriage is a priority. We're dating for marriage. Boys and girls don't touch each other. They know that their dating is with, with, with modesty. There is a protocol. It's the base. And even, by the way, it's, we even know that, let's say, in the yeshiva world, Everything's prescripted. Who call? You call. You don't even call on the first date. Somebody calls for you. You make a date. It's three hours. Like it's all prescripted. 
Okay. You go through the shotgun. There's nothing to negotiate. You just come in and you do what you got to do and you get, and you think, you know, you see if you like each other and then marriage, it's all, there's, it's all prearranged. Everyone knows Tara Samashpacha. Everybody knows Shabbos. Everybody knows Yantiv. Everybody knows how you run a Jewish home. And therefore there's nothing to talk about. And you can just get on with life. You can get on with life. Then you don't, we don't appreciate it. We don't appreciate the rules and the guidelines and the structure until we think about it. And then when we think about it, okay, we say, oh, I am so fortunate. I'm filled with love and awe of the fact that I have guidelines and I have a way to live and I could just have a life. I can have a marriage. I can have kids. And if marriage doesn't work out, I have a protocol for that too. And even if I'm not married, if I'm single, I have a whole, a whole world in front of me of things that I can accomplish and, and roles I can play. Like I have a way of living. And this begins to fill us with awe and, um, and, and love. And this is really a function of brachas made properly. Now, I know it's late. Well, we started late, so we could go a little bit more. How long is it so far? Um, we could go a little more. Now, let, there's a lot of questions now, okay? First of all, it's important to understand that when what we're talking about here in brachas and kavod is for each person personally living their best life okay we cannot control anything outside of ourselves but we are meant to live full lives in whatever situation we're in as partners with god in fact the the sharbi tachanan who if ever if anyone's listening to these tefillah classes there's another class on tour anytime from about five or six weeks ago that is another it deals with another tefillah issue it's called emunifestations i suggest you listen to that but uh, in that, we mentioned that Rabbeinu Bahai in the Shar B'tachon, okay, actually says, this is shocking, right? What is Emunah? He says, let's say someone doesn't have a family. No spouse, no kids. He doesn't say, I have Emunah, that one day you're going to find a spouse, one day you're going to find kids. He doesn't say that. He says, you should thank Hashem that you don't have the burden of taking care of other people and of all the worries, and that you can do what you can do to your full ability. That's what he actually says. It's a total paradigm shift. A person doesn't have to be have other people to play their role. Now, of course, everybody we want everyone to not to be alone, obviously. And we love these things. I'm sorry. Because on the one hand, you say Hashem gives us a structure how to live our lives. For the most right? part, yes. For the and most then, part, yes. And then you're saying... But no. everything is for the most part. But everything is for the most part. Nothing is for everyone. Ram, nothing's for, nothing includes everybody except the mitzvahs that we have, Shabbos, and things you can do for your... Things that rely only on yourself. Rambam says there's 600, not only Rambam, there's 613 mitzvahs so that everyone will have mitzvahs, but not all of them apply to everybody. And certain, certain things just don't happen for certain people or don't work out or whatever the situation is. That doesn't mean a person is, is goes through their life identified by what I didn't have and what I was lacking. So what is Amuna? Listen to Amunifestations. Amuna is that you know that you're in good hands. That's what Amuna is. And you have Menucha Sanefesh. Let's quickly talk about what is Yehi Ratzon? What is an Ace Ratzon? Very important idea. Because first of all, we actually mentioned, somebody said it on the chat, that every day is an ace ratzum. Every tefillah sort of becomes an ace ratzum. But then there are certainly times like Purim that are referred to as a time of special ratzum. Or we make a special prayer, yehi ratzum, may it be your will, okay? So remember the baby and the mother? 
So we always talk about the idea that there's like the umbilical cord. Everybody has their special feed from Hashem, but let's let's get a little deeper. Really, and this explains also like Berchas Kohanim explains about, if you listen to Heshi's Shear that I posted on the Eween chats, it, it, it's, it's a way of understanding that too. Really, you want to know what it's really more Kabbalistically? There's the Shemayim, there's all of the, like the placenta, meaning all of Hashem's kochos that are sort of in a reservoir waiting to flow down, okay? And then there's actually the mushal. It's a mushal, not actually. One big umbilical cord with like a billion tributaries, okay? And everybody's out, you know, connected to one of those little channels, one of those little, um, what's it called? Um, capillaries, okay? Sometimes the flow coming through the main channel increases. Okay. And therefore everybody can get a little bit more wherever they are. Okay. It's not necessarily direct to one person, but it's an extra, so to speak, shefa from a Baruch Hu. So for example, Berchas Kohanim. The Kohanim are in the base of Migdash. They are surrounded by all of these, the Avod and all of this, all of, you know, everything that is, 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 is connected to various types of this bracha that Hashem sends down. They're in this, this is where they operate from and they give a bracha, meaning they create, they have a power when they give a bracha to Amishol to open that up, that we get more, okay? Our capacity to be more aware or to get more or to be, to get more, to, to access or to be open increases. So this is where it comes, you know, the idea of going to somebody for a bracha. We are certainly not saying, could you do it for me? You know, you know, could you just, you know, um, start the process or, get, you know, you know, do it for me. Could you just make sure that I gain more, um, you know, a sense of connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and more bracha from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? It doesn't work like that. What we're saying is that um, we appreciate that certain people, because of the way they spend their lives and the way they devote themselves, they actually could increase a little bit more of that major flow. Okay. However, here's the thing. Karov Hashem l'chol karov. Hashem is close to whoever calls them. We can also increase our flow by our sincere, our sincere prayer. Now, let's talk about Ratzon. So above the Shamayim, where all of these kochos are sort of waiting. Above that is the mother and her mind. That's where Rutzon operates, what I want. Yehi Rutzon, and this, this could really be a class in of itself, is that a Kaddish Baruch Hu's Rutzon should cause even more or a different arrangement or something in the Shamayim to be accessible to us. Something that might not have been accessible should now be accessible. There should be more. This is obviously lots to do with what Kabbalah is talking, you know, what Mikobalim are dealing with. But we're saying that it should go all the way up to the top. And we should be able to draw down maybe even kochos that we not, we don't normally have the capacity to receive. That that whole mechanism should, should um, should, you know, should, should be uh should Akadosh Baruch Hu should grant us in a sense even more. Uh, of his ultimate desire, which is that, and the ultimate desire of Hakadosh Baruch Hu 
is that we should be the type of people, Kalen, vehicles that can receive more and more and more so that we can appreciate who we are. And therefore, and it takes on momentum. And it's like a, it's like a, it's like a system that keeps sort of um, growing and becoming stronger. Okay. Um, we're not going to have time to go through all these, but one question, is there benefit to davening and thanking and asking in my own words spontaneously? Since a bracha does not mean thank you, but we do have a whole section in tefillah, which we talked about last week, after all the bakashas called hoda, called thank you. After there are bakashas, there's there's hoda. So should, do we just thank and ask the truth is? There's really a formula for that. It's not It's not just random. There's a way to ask and a way to say hoda. And it's what we talked about last week, how you ask a bracha, what the consciousness is for asking for something. So as we learned about today, we say, we, we ask, this is where we ask, we say, Rafa'inu, we say for Rafua. And we ask for Rafua because we know that it comes from Kaddish Baruch Hu. And then we make a bracha, my awareness of you, Kaddish Baruch Hu, should increase that you are the everything that we are part of that governs and influences through the benefit of the Rafua that you can send. Okay, so first you request it, then you make the bracha. After all the brachas, we get to the hoda'a section, the gratitude section, the appreciation, them being modim, that we accept whatever Hashem gives us, and we have gratitude for whatever it is. So really, do you want to spontaneously thank Hashem, thank you Hashem, and, 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 and asking Hashem everything? I mean, it's not bad. I'm not going to say not to do it, but honestly, there is a formula how to do it. Okay. And the more we, we get familiar with it, the more it becomes natural. All right. Um, we, we can, um, we're going to end here because I, again, it's late, but um, think of it. This seems a lot of content, but honestly, if you make a card just with the way to say a bracha or a bracha on a mitzvah and a bracha on a pleasure or a benefit, it becomes second nature and it takes thought. It always takes thought. But it becomes, it becomes, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it becomes more uh, familiar and we're able to, um, to really put more meaning into our brachas and into the result of our brachas, which is going to be called kavod or that sense of awe and appreciation and love that is going to be generated within us. Okay, some questions. Yes. 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 So, in fact, Rav Hirsch has an incredible explanation. You see, the bracha, if you translate it to English, doesn't make any sense. I mean, the phrase, which is obviously a metaphor. You open your hands, okay? And you satisfy every living thing. Ratzon, where that word is dangling, it should say umazbia ratzon kol chai. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. First of all, this is in the manifestations. No Hashem doesn't satisfy the desire of every living thing because some people's desires are just off and not okay. And if Hashem would satisfy them, that wouldn't be a very good parent just because you're asking, I'm going to satisfy you. And we all know very well that even things that we all want real important priorities Hashem doesn't always satisfy that so it doesn't it, it, it doesn't say must be a ratzon kolchai it says ma bizbiya kolchai ratzon Hashem satisfies Hashem takes care of sustains and satisfies the need of every human being ratzon according to Hashem's ratzon of her says by giving a human being there's even an aspect in the human being 
how do people get jobs? How do people get to do them sometimes, right? That they have rutzel they have a certain amount of people want to do for them. They want to be with them. They want to give them a business deal. There's a certain quality of rutzel that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has, and that also sometimes trickles down into people. But the big idea is that it's according to Hashem's rutzel, what Hashem knows and wants and causes to flow. It should be Parnassa, should yes, Parnassa. So also Rav Hirsch says, because Hashem, how does a person want to do a deal with someone? They have Ratzon, they have Chayin, they, they, they want to do with you. Also, Kodesh Baruch Hu, that's why we say Yehi Ratzon and Es Ratzon, that a Kodesh Baruch Hu sees our efforts, the way we make brachas, the way we try harder at certain times, because we're more focused, more aware, um, then a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants to. Hashem no, I shouldn't say, it's, it's always so tricky. It's like we change Hashem's mood. But the bracha, it's more, it, the mechanism is that when we initiate, it's like the rain cycle that evaporates, condenses and comes down. When we initiate that evaporation that through the brachas, it creates more of a flow. This is the system of Kaddish Baruch Hu brought in. Obviously there's so much to discuss, but these are just some basic um, understandings, yeah. So what I'm getting from this is, that what we do, like when we say our morning, we saying, I accept your rapson. Amen means kel, melech, ne'eman. It is the, kel is the name of Hashem of Rachamim. It's not short for looking. The, the Rachamim of the melech that influences us, ne'eman, is trustworthy, is steadfast, is secure. So I accept. Yes, I am secure. I accept and I am secure. Yes. In your right Yes, beautiful. Whatever you decide. Yes, Ilana. Ilana, beautiful. Amen. I am secure in your right zone. In what? Yes. Well, why are you answering that to someone's bracha? Now that the bracha is not directed at Hashem, so to speak, and you're sitting there basically. We're all, because we're all in the bracha together. When, you know, we, we're saying, when we make a bracha, when a shliach sibur makes a bracha for us, we say, I mean, there, you know how when somebody can make a bracha and be mostly somebody else? In other words, the intention. When, why do you say I'm no, no, to someone else's bracha? It's not directed to Hashem. It's, it's directed to us. It's to yourself. You're basically expanding yourself and you're acknowledging that you are part of, you're in a partnership. Right. right. So when we say amen, yeah. I want to be closer to you. Yeah. So amen, when somebody makes a bracha for us, right? Let's say somebody makes a bracha like, yeah. and they're being mostly us, and we say amen. Meaning like this, the person is saying on behalf of everybody, our appreciation, right, mindfulness, our appreciation of you, Baruch Hu, right, it increases and expands by virtue of this kiddush I'm making, okay, and we all say amen, which really means you are the steadfast, reliable one that we all um, understand is the, and it really what, how they condense it in the Siddur, who is the source of all bracha, it's really, they take this whole thing and condense it. Because the source of all bracha and everybody together is like at Sibur. Um, uh, it says, yeah, we're all in this together. This is the point of all these missus that we are all doing together, that we are increasing our sense, as Ilana said, that you are the melech neman, that you are the, 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 the um, trustworthy, reliable one that is, and that's why the mitzvahs we're doing, we're secure that, we're, that these mitzvahs work and they make sense. The bracha is yeah. that we the light and the clarity that the the bahitza gets lifted so whatever is going to happen we see as a bracha we see it as 
because we know that's also part of it but she's asking that we're all confirming that we are secure in this yes yeah. it is we're confirming we're secure and said fast in the mitzvah Hashem gave us in these pleasures I should say kiddush it makes sense when you're saying I'm eating an apple and I'm saying Hashem I want my awareness to expand for my apple and all of a sudden someone else is saying I'm yes that, that's right more Me and they're like yeah, but it's we, but but, we, it's but everything we do overflows. Everything okay. our increased awareness overflows to everybody else. So it's always everybody benefits from it. The more everybody benefits, the more everybody benefits. When you say the book on the apple, yeah, what are you actually saying? You're saying Hashem, thank you for this apple that I can eat. No, you're not saying you thank you. No, 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 no. You Be very careful. You're not no. saying thank you. You're not saying thank you for this apple. It's not that that, that is simplest. No, no. You know, think about everything we just said. Yeah. My awareness of your yeah. everythingness, yeah. which explains and defines the, the physical world down here, yeah. increases by my mindful appreciation of this apple. And you think about the apple a little bit. The taste, the texture, the color, the white cottage breath wants us to have pleasure. That every you can learn things from an apple, right. you know, and and, uh, and so we're 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 becoming so it increases your awareness of Hashem. Yeah, but it's not saying thank you, Hashem. It's divine consciousness. It's consciousness. Yes, it's bringing mindfulness into every act. Mora Esther, could it yes. also could it also include that we don't understand what energies we're releasing as well? Because when you talked about the um, the everythingness of a Kaddish Baruch Hu that we cannot tap into because we don't have those faculties. But when we say a bracha, we could be as well um, uh, trying to appreciate the greaterness of yeah. Well, the, the bracha of the apple, the the sparks in the apple. You see, there's so much more we don't really know, but yet we want to be a partner in a Kaddish Baruch Hu's. Uh, um, uh, like everything that he wanted us to do and we want to become closer by learning more by doing more and hoping that when we fulfill these mitzvot that we are getting closer to a greater understanding yes exactly now exactly now what when the bracha we didn't talk about this i think we talked about this last time it's like the rain cycle right so there's evaporation condensation and then rain so when we make a bracha, it's we're releasing, so to speak, up to, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're sending our intention to increase that flow, right? Sort of we initiate it we, to, we, we, to our Kaddish Baruch Hu, and then it comes back down to us as greater, as a greater, a greater awareness and a greater appreciation. Also, you know, we're getting into the main thing, guys, is mindfulness that everything makes us stop for a second and recognize what can i learn from this what can i understand deeper about this what can i appreciate more about this but it's really the you know we invented mindfulness chazal with all the brachas and we invented mindfulness yeah there's nothing new under the sun that are you know in the, in the it's in the eastern religions and even in christianity there's, it's not that they don't know about mindfulness. They do know about mindfulness, but they don't have mitzvahs. They don't have mitzvahs to, 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 to attach to that mindfulness. Do you know what I mean? In other words, they're just mindful about life, about breathing, about being whatever, but there's no, no constantly mindfulness about every single benefit and pleasure and mitzvah. So it's like this yearning to have mindfulness, but it's not attached to anything. Yes. 
We're so yeah. great. Purposeful. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to stop the one second. I'm going to stop the recording here, but uh, we'll stay on the meeting for a second. <laughs>